0: Hey, welcome back to The Defiant Spirit. Baruch Levy, also known as B, with my good friend, Julie Mouse. I would say I'm in my virtual studio today, except I'm in a different setting. But either way, you're on with myself and Julie. Hi, Julie. Hi, B. Good to have you back. Good to be back for Enneagram 6, The Loyalists. Can't believe this is our, obviously, sixth uh, installment of this series. Time flies. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so working
1: our way around the circle
0: working our way around so you'll you'll be able to get all nine of them in the next few weeks but for now we're gonna bring to you the enneagram six and we're talking about in this series mindfulness how to pay attention based on the victor frankel quote that julie and i met around and love um both of us love it brings to life and light the work that we're here to do between stimulus and response said frankl there is a space and in that space lies our power to choose our response and in our response lies our growth and our happiness so between stimulus things happening to us and either reacting or responding there is a space and what we're talking about in each of these is how each of the enneagram types relate to react within or potentially respond within that space so nine ways to expand the space enneagram six anything you want to add to that
1: yeah well i always when i start thinking about the number we're going to do i get so excited about what that number sees in that space right and so as we dive into six the loyalist or the well, there's lots of names for the six, but um, I got very excited about how much pausing in that space can be life-changing for a six, really give them the ability to see more clearly the thoughts that are getting them into trouble and, and how, like a path out of
0: it. And next week, we're going to talk about Enneagram 7, which probably is you know not wanting to stick around that space. <laughs> yeah, um, but six is on the opposite sort of end of the spectrum, even though they're next door neighbors is really going to want to define that space. Make sure it's a safe space. Make mm-hmm. sure it's a known quantity in that space. Make sure the exit signs are in that space and the air conditioning is set to the right temperature. And because the Enneagram six gets into lots of issues of safety and security and making sure that they know sort of, in some ways, like an eight, there's a bit of a control element, but it's much more coming from a minimizing risk, maximizing security. Is that a fair place to begin for the six?
1: Yes, yes, all about it. And so that's why in that space, if they can see it, that when something happens, instead of immediately going into this safety security, how can I make sure everything's okay? If they can pause and watch those thoughts, I'm going to say this probably a number of times in this podcast, they can figure out which one of these thoughts are um, productive or just habitual. Is it just this habitual thought that I'm going into because that actually keeps you from thinking clearly or is it a productive thought? And you can't tell because you'll just go into this habitual thought unless you pause and catch it and then you have the capacity to move it to a more productive thought.
0: Yeah. So probably of all types, you I think you kind of said this, but the Enneagram six probably benefits more than any other type with a mindfulness practice Mm -hmm. because they're at the center of one of the triads called the um, centers of intelligence. And it's the thinking types are five, six and seven. And six is right at the center of it. And between five and seven, fives go inward with thinking, sevens go outward and sixes get into a conflicted and an analysis paralysis and a spin cycle, which is, you know, anxiety is the seat of thinking and sixes are at the seat of that. So bringing down the noise and bringing up the mindfulness, I imagine goes very far in the life of a six.
1: Yeah, I do agree with that statement that it's mindfulness practice is probably more be- valuable for them than any other number, because to, and and I say that because mindfulness practice is different than other meditations where you're at, the goal is actually to get to know your mind. Um, there's a Buddha quote that's if you want to get to know your if you want to get to know your mind, sit down, be quiet, and watch it for a while, and you will very quickly figure out what brings you joy and what brings you suffering. And for a six, if they are not pausing and exercising that capacity to watch what's coming into their head, their natural tendency is to go into this worst case scenario, catastrophizing what could go wrong. And those, some of those are good thoughts because they help keep them and others safe, but it creates this, like, negativity in their mind that's constantly churning but if they can learn to pause in mindfulness practice you pause and you watch those thoughts coming and going without doing anything about them and you can start to see pretty clearly which ones are helpful and which ones are just unproductive
0: right it's not about um getting over the thoughts or getting around the thoughts or not thinking it's about paying attention and you know sixes are all about paying attention in some way yeah. shape or form they're the they're compliant right in the best sense of the term of like they pay attention to what's around them to what mm-hmm. needs to be done and that's that type of compliance where they just want to understand they're a head type and be given sort of you know they're probably if you're on an airplane most people tune out when the steward or stewardess is um Doing the instructions, but mm-hmm. probably not a six. They're probably the ones who are actually paying attention and reading along with the the you know that card yeah, in the right. front pocket.
1: Yeah, right, right,
0: All right. right. Then so they, they like that talk. instructional process.
1: Yes, yeah. absolutely, and that ability when they learn mindfulness practice to begin to watch their thoughts. I think it makes them that attentiveness can make them really good at the practice too. They can also become attentive to what's coming in their mind instead of not like being unconscious about it.
0: Yes, yes. And um, I wanna like just pause on that for a second because sixes tend to be portrayed as sort of a negative type. Right, like there's this, there's a couple enneagram types that get a shadow cast around mm-hmm. them, and we even with the word, one of the names for the enneagram six is the loyal skeptic. Even the word skepticism has a, a negative connotation in our society, but that's not what the original Greek, um, philosopher, you know, philosophical understanding of skepticism is. It's a necessary challenge to assumptions. Mm -hmm. And that is a beautiful thing. Like I would love for my airline pilot back to the airline analogy, probably to be an Enneagram one and an Enneagram six sitting side by side (laughs) because the one's going to have, you know, perfected the process and the six is going to challenge. In fact, I don't. Did you ever read the book? I think it was Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. The whole chapter on the
0: on plane crashes. Yeah, and, and and cultures who have plane crashes don't have a lot of sixishness in them right. challenge the assumption Question.
1: yeah i have a really good friend who is a six and um my group of girlfriends has taken to calling her wise one because there's just been too many times where her little challenge to what we were going to do um definitely saved us from some
0: problems <laughs> so that's a healthy skepticism now All blessings have curses. All light has shadow. And the six has to stand guard against that, which is where you come in, of course, Mm -hmm. because it can slip from healthy skepticism, kind of questioning to insatiable doubt, anxiety, that there's no amount of answers or no amount of research, right, is going to ever give them that I'm okay.
1: Right. They can slip into that classic catastrophizing. and and then they actually are immobile. They almost can't go and do what they need to do because they're just uh, spinning in their head about everything that could go wrong.
0: And it's insatiable. Like especially in the in the information era, they're the types I hear all the time who ones and sixes I hear they'll like see a mole on their arm and then they'll get online and research it and then like six hours later they've they're like they're dying for certain of this particular (laughs) like you know Nile river virus thing that happens to one in a billion people but it happened to them kind of a thing yes and they can lose themselves down that insatiable information gathering process.
1: Mm-hmm. I was talking to a niece of mine who's a six and she said, when she gets in that anxious space, it's almost, well, she said two things that were really interesting. One is that it almost feels like a fog or that she can't even think about anything else. It just keeps this, this rap- repeating pattern of it. And then she also, um, like, oh, called it like a trance, a trance of this catastrophizing. But the other interesting part is that she said that there's something nice about it, that there's an allure to this space that she goes to because there's almost like a comfort in it. And since I'm a nine, I so resonated that way because I have this allure to checking out, to finding peace. And so to relate to her allure to catastrophizing and that just feels good to her. Cause it feels better than not doing anything or right. trying to plan. Um, I really resonated with that and that how, what's our, the best in us is also the worst in us.
0: And with, what's that famous saying? Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) So like sometimes they're right. Call it COVID. You know how many sixes were like opening their cupboards with like 60 cases of toilet paper because they were right? Right. Right. It did happen.
1: Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly.
0: Um, you know, like the oh, there's a great book I read a long time ago called Who Packed Your Parachute? And, you know, like, I want a six packing my parachute. Like, I want that anxiety and I want that questioning and that double checking, that triple checking. You know, they're the ones where you, like, you hear the, the car alarm. Deet, deet. Did I do it? Deet, deet. Did I do it? Did I Right? And so there's this, now it's, a, again, I'll say it a thousand times, there's a slippery slope for a six where... Mm. Enough is enough. And again, I can't I keep coming back to mindfulness. So important for an Enneagram six
1: Yeah, if you're in relationship with an Enneagram six think it's it's good practice to thank them because their mind is working overload to keep you safe and I know when I'm around a six I notice I have this feeling of kind of safety because they're gonna notice things long before I do and instead of being irritated with the pointing out everything you go wrong, I try to have a practice of just being like, thank you so much for noticing.
0: That's really nice. I know that six loves or appreciates being seen and validated because usually it's perceived as a wet blanket, a nag, annoying.
1: Right. And they do so much.
0: Now all the six is listening We all have our work to do. We have to defy our number, right? That's why I call it defy your number. So it doesn't give us any, um, you know, license to worry. It means that there's a time and place for it, but you also have to defy your number. So I work with a six and we talk a lot about him bearing his burden. This is a Viktor Frankl idea. Mm -hmm. So he's not going to withhold all of his anxieties from his wife, but what we've been talking about is, can you, Absorb 10, 20% of that and not share it and just carry it as an act of love and service to your family. Because if you give them all of your worries, you crush them under the weight of it because they're not built for it.
1: Right. You are.
0: They're not. So we've been working a lot on bearing the burden of not sharing everything and becoming <laughs> discerning of what is worth and necessary and what is not worth it or not necessary.
1: Right. What's productive? And what's just this habitual thinking that you always do? Exactly. And then re- to relate that to mindfulness practice, sometimes we talk about when you start to become aware of your inner roommate, the voice that's constantly talking to you, you can't push it away. You can't make it stop. That's your burden. That's, that's who you are. And it, there's a beauty in that, in that you keep your loved ones safe. But what you can do is not let them t- be center stage. You can notice the thoughts. So like, if you think of it as an analogy in driving in the car, you know, let that inner roommate be in the back seat, a backseat driver, but don't let them be up in the front seat, you know, telling you where to go and telling you what to turn. You can listen to them and notice the ones that need to be responded to. But if you have them in the driver's seat or even in the front seat, they can really drive you down the rabbit hole.
0: Totally. And never give them the wheel. Right. Yes. I mean, you know, back to your analogy, it's like sixes get into trouble when they hand the wheel over to their fears, because then they oftentimes create a self-fulfilling prophecy pushing people away. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. That, that uh, That's destructive.
1: Well, yeah, that doubt that they have in themselves. And then sometimes it can transfer over to others and then they can, yeah, they can push away really good relationships in their life because of that fear
0: couple practical strategies. So if you're in relationship with a six, I I do this one all the time now, especially with like six potential clients. And I know when there are six, because they will ask me 50 questions. (laughs) And sometimes it's repetitive. And if I wasn't conscious, I might get annoyed but i'm i'm conscious and i understand now where it's coming from they want to feel safe and secure and know that they're with somebody who a can hold hold that space for them and b who's consistent cuz there's an honesty and consistency so they're almost probing to see if i give them the same answer i'm reassuring them and so now I do a lot of that up front, and it gets it makes them feel secure so we they don't have to ask as many questions later on as opposed to getting annoyed. Have right. you had that experience?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, the whole not getting annoyed with them but seeing the beauty in them in their questioning um, because then once they feel trust, once they think they can trust you, you have a pretty loyal friend. That's where that oh, loyalist yeah. title comes from because once they feel that they have that trust, they're um, they're pretty amazing friends and and very inc- are incredibly loyal.
0: Yep, when they're in, they're all in. Mm-hmm. So and and that's you know like being in relationship with the six. And if you are a six, a teacher who I love out there, her name is Byron Katie. Julie, yeah, I've never heard of Byron Loving Katie. it is. Yeah. So she has a really simple, but great practice of, is it true? Mm -hmm. Is it true? Right. And just working with sixes, if you're six, working on this in yourself is, you know, is it true? Whatever the fear I'm thinking and, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and um, you know, like for instance, yeah, there's lots of car crashes out there, but is it true that I'll get it probably get into a car crash driving home? Well, statistically probably not. Right. And you start playing out the, fears and the disasters. And you can usually work through a lot of these things by that practice of, is it true? And just keep digging down underneath that and underneath that.
1: Yeah. It's so funny you bring that up because that good friend of mine that we call the wise one, she introduced me to Byron Katie and she just loves it. Like she even has her little app, the work on her phone. Um, so that she can, you know, work through that tendency to go down the rabbit hole where she can just pause and ask herself, is this true? Or the next question, is it really true? (laughs) Um, it's so helpful to, in what I've been saying from the beginning of this podcast, helpful for her to, um, differentiate between what is um, a productive thought that's actually important for her to pay attention to. And what's just this habitual, um, uh, thinking too much.
0: Yes. So um, really, it's like, so obviously, it's been such a good practice for Enneagram sixes. So that's a mm-hmm. good strategy for you to bring some mindfulness to your practice and not get rid of the thoughts, but harness them. You know, a lot of people don't think about it. And when I'm working with people around anxiety, anxiety is energy. Right. It's not good or bad. It's just energy that hasn't been dealt with or harnessed or repurposed. You're not going to get rid of it. You're just going to do something with it or you're not. And then at 3 a.m. it's just going to spin around and you know burn a hole in your stomach called an ulcer.
1: Yeah, I've but- even heard that a good practice for sixes is, is to be grateful for their anxiety, to see their anxiety as their teacher. Um, it's here to teach them wh- what they need to pay attention to and what they don't. Because the things that they do as a result of these feelings they're in touch with, you know, as a nine, I see so clearly that's such a gift because I don't pay attention to my anxieties and that can get me into big trouble. And the sixes are over attending to it, right? And so I see it's such a gift for them. And if they can see that and start to differentiate between the healthy ones and the not so healthy ones and not get so caught up in all of them um, or overwhelmed by all of them, they, uh, can really be um, amazing at what needs to be done and seeing that clearly.
0: Absolutely, excuse me. And it's about, sometimes it's about what we call things. I'm choking. Yeah. I'll I'll let you take over.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right, (laughs) right. Well, I just on that note, when a sixes are in, you know, we've talked about the reaction and going to catastrophizing, but when they learn to pause and they learn to see what is actually true, um, their actions in the world seem to be um, very clear when you're around them. That's why I was saying that you feel so safe around a healthy six, because you can just trust that they're going to they're going to be, their decisions are probably what is the best way to go.
0: So, you know, absolutely. And what I was saying is um, if we can start giving some new language around this, because what you call things becomes the reality. So instead of calling it anxiety, I do call it energy. Instead of calling it doubt, I call it, sometimes I, I think of it as like a scouting, like in the military, you send out a scout whose job it is to be aware and be wary because you're protecting the people behind you, like scouting out situations as opposed to doubt. Now, again, not to get licensed to free reign for this, but really repurpose or rethink about our roles in Enneagram six as a scout, as a probe, as sometimes it's called the defender. Yeah. Right. right.
1: Yeah. I like that. And then talking about, um, talking about the, so like, again, the responding of the six when they're able to pause and see what needs to be done and be more the scout than the doubter, Um, they have a line to nine. And you see a lot of that not nine energy where they are doing it not from the anxiety, but from a clear knowing of what needs to be done.
0: Totally, to- And so then
1: on the, on the flip side, um we haven't talked at all about this yet and we should probably mention the two different types of not uh six the phobic and the counterphobic um and how they react and respond because um on the on the flip side especially a counterphobic six who tends to get um they can almost look kind of aggressive when they're in fear and instead of having that sense of peace and I'll even say that a lot of counterphobic sixes don't even know that they're operating from fear because they think that they've got everything kind of figured out because they're ahead of the game usually. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can sense when a counterphobic six is acting out of fear because you can just feel that it's almost similar to an eight B like you, you feel this intensity coming from them and you're like, Whoa, where'd that come from? As opposed to when a counterphobic six is being more of a leader and, and, guiding you at like a scout, you can tell when it's coming from a place of peace and serenity and calmness Mm -hmm. versus that trying to get ahead of the fear, trying to get ahead of the fear.
0: And the Enneagram really, one of the differentiators of the Enneagram versus other systems is it deals more in why we do what we do. So, an eight and a six, a counterphobic six were are gonna look very similar on the surface sometimes. They mistype a lot. I mistype them a lot, yeah, but why they're doing it are very different. An eight is much more focused on anger and control, not a lot less fear. I mean, Julie, you're married to an eight, you know right it's it's yes. a lot less about anxiety, and it's much more of a fiery anger
1: well, and they're in they're um when they are intense, it's about powering up,
0: powering up, right.
1: Yeah, where you can tell the difference with a six when they're intense, it's about getting ahead of the fear. It's about cutting that off the bass.
0: So that's why all sixes are phobic in the, at the core. The question is what we do with that. Do we sort of embrace it and succumb to it? And just, you know, the one extreme, let's talk about extremes because they're easy to see, is Larry David mm-hmm. is the... Extre- or a Woody Allen, or uh, you know George Kassan- stanza. It's like this: I fully embrace and give myself over to my anxieties to the point yeah, where people can just feel I exude the anxiety. Now I don't know anybody in real life. Maybe I know a couple, but who who are in that extreme. And then the other extreme is like a Chuck Norris or a Mel Gibson or a tough guy or tough gal, Roseanne Barr. And so you have these radically different sixes but at the core is anxiety mm, for both of them for both of them and people don't realize that but they that one of the most extreme of all types from one side to the other but most people are somewhere in the middle
1: and don't i'm i i know people talk about this differently you know we have the counterphobic six and the phobic six but don't most of them have a little bit of both
0: we all have a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's, that's true that's I mean true. that's the that's the beauty of the enneagram is every, look I don't think you can live on planet Earth and not at some level be a six I say this all the time yeah, because <laughs> that's it's just a smart It's <laughs> like the, we're all waiting for the woolly mammoth to gobble us up.
1: Yeah,
0: right, right, right. Like it, it's true. Like what's the philosophy philosophy professor of mine loved to say? ain't None of us getting out of this alive, right? Mm-hmm. So sixes are right. We're all mm-hmm. terminal. The, you know, yeah. like this thing is scary now. You should the be worried. <laughs> yeah, everybody's like sixes are like freaking out right now, popping Xanax. But, um, but the the difference is, is most of us compartmentalize that a little more than the sixes, right? Right, right. And some well, and like seven where, is totally compartmentalize.
1: That's where their virtue is courage and, um, I was talking to my niece and she was like, courage, I don't think is a word many sixes resonate with Julie. And I was like, if you knew that the courage you have to just get up every day with what your head thinks about, it's amazing. The only reason I can do it is because I ignore all that stuff. (laughs) But it takes a lot of courage with the awareness you have to just get up and do it again
0: driving down the street and believing that what separates the car coming at you is a yellow, a little yellow dotted line is I block it out a six probably doesn't and for them to drive is courageous for me to drive I just block it out.
1: Exactly. So there
0: is we have to redefine courage, you know, as that famous saying, it's, it's not the absence of fear, it's feeling the fear and doing it anyways. That's Mm -hmm. courageous. Exactly. Exactly. So maybe that's a good segue into the mindfulness section.
1: Yeah, sure. That sounds great. Um, do you want to press record? Because I'm going to do a little, just talk a little bit about what we're going to do for this six meditation. So, Because six, six is like to be prepared.
0: Sure. Yeah. All right. So let me uh, set it up. So when we pull it out later on, you can just come straight to this. But for now, you'll join us in the journey of Um, expanding the space for Enneagram six between stimulus and response there is a space and in that space lies our power to choose our response and in our response lies our growth and our happiness expanding the space Enneagram six the loyalist
1: thanks B so for the sixth meditation I wanted to start with just a a regular um, classic mindfulness practice, because what's most valuable with mindfulness for six is this ability to be the watcher of their thoughts, to not be so captivated. You you are not your thoughts. You are the witness of your thoughts, because that gives them that ability we've been talking talking about on this podcast to differentiate between productive thoughts and the ones that are just habitual or catastrophizing and unproductive. And so we're going to start with that, but then we—I'm also going to move into um, a mantra practice, which is the first time we've done this, that on this podcast. Because sixes are in the thinking triad, and they're um, in the center, so they're the most aware of their anxiety. And like B said earlier in the podcast, they're also tend to have a negativity bias in their brain because they're constantly thinking about what could go wrong if they just if they put no intention in. So their just habitual pattern is to think about kind of worry and think about what could go wrong. And so you as a 6 you need to have awareness that that's just the way it is. It's not a problem. It's not something you try and put away because if you resist it it will just persist. But it is something that you need to put some intention around countering and when i say that i mean you need to put some intentional thoughts that would counter all that negativity so any kind of mantra that's a positive statement um, that might help you embrace what you need the mantra we're going to use for today's practice is i am confident because when a six embraces that confidence it helps counter the self-doubt that's constantly arising and then we're going to end with a little bit of a gratitude practice because again, to counter that um, negativity that's often there for a six, really intentionally thinking about what you're grateful can balance that out in your mind. And I can't stress this enough that as a six, yes, you have a lot of negative thoughts. They're usually keeping yourself and the people you love safe. And you can, with mindfulness practice, really balance that out a little more. Um, I think some of you listening might be like, oh, that sounds like it might be a little corny. But I just want to encourage you to give it a try because actually intentionally bringing in these positive thoughts and feelings can make you feel more balanced. So what the heck, give it a try and see if um, if it changes your experience. So start with our classic mindfulness practice where you just sit up tall, rest your hands on your lap and take two deeper than normal breaths. Either close your eyes or lower your gaze. As you exhale, soften your shoulders down your back. bring your attention to your feet. Maybe notice the contact in your shoes or on the floor or with your sock. You're starting with this grounded practice. The feet is the furthest away from your mind. So it can help bring your attention into your body. What sensations do you notice there? And notice when the mind wants to describe what you're feeling or pull your attention away to something more important. That's just an opportunity to practice. So don't judge that. Rather, notice it. That's where we begin to notice thoughts and bring your attention back to your feet each time it happens. Now do the same thing with your hands. What sensations do you notice in your fingertips, your palm, back of your hand? Noticing if your attention gets pulled away, that's just an opportunity to practice, so don't judge it. Simply bring your awareness back to your hands. Now move your awareness to the area of your abdomen and see if you can feel your breath here. So follow the expansion on each inhale, the pause, and then the contraction on the exhale. And just like with the hands and feet, notice if your attention is getting pulled away, or if you maybe even notice it getting pulled up to your mind. Without judgment, invite your attention back to the next breath. And if you have a hard time feeling your breath here at your belly, you can place a hand there. Sometimes that helps me keep my attention there. the end of your next exhale, releasing your attention from the belly. And I'm going to allow you to bring your attention up to your mind for a little bit because I want to bring to mind something you're worried about. So just think about something in the future that you're currently worried about. Maybe even picture the situation, what it is you're worried about. And then I invite you to notice how your body feels as a result of these thoughts. So what are you noticing in your body as a result of thinking about this worrisome thing? Maybe an increase in temperature. Maybe a contracting in tension somewhere. So getting to know how your body reacts when you're worried. Not trying to change it, rather noticing it. Almost bringing this idea of a loving awareness to what arises. And notice if you keep popping back up to your mind to think about the scenario. That's the pattern for a six, but also for many of the types in the Enneagram. And when that happens, that's simply an opportunity to practice. See if you can come back to noticing how the body feels. loving awareness of what is now I invite you to bring your attention back to the belly back to the sensation of your breath here just for a couple of breaths noticing the rise and fall now we're going to go up to our minds again but this time we're going to use that mantra practice so i want you to say quietly in your mind's eye i am confident i am confident maybe notice after each time you say it how your body feels bringing that Attention maybe back to where you felt the reaction to your image earlier, where you're feeling any energy, but keep saying quietly, I am confident. Now that you've said it a number of times, just notice maybe how your body feels, again, bringing the attention back around your torso area, how it feels energetically, maybe different than when we were imagining our worrisome event. And now let's invite your attention back to your belly for a few breaths. Just being with the rise and fall of your abdomen as you breathe. And now, the last part of this practice, we're going to go up to our minds one more time. That's your center of intelligence. And see if you can come up with three things that you're grateful for. Three things that are happening in your life right now that you feel gratitude for. now bring your awareness into your body one more time. How do you feel after thinking about these three things? After focusing on what you're grateful for. And one last time, inviting your awareness back to your belly. Such a grounding practice for sixes and for all of us. I breathe in, I know I am breathing in. I breathe out, I know I am breathing out. One more deep breath in. And feel the body softening and letting go on the exhale. You can relax your posture. And open your eyes, coming back. And I, I can't encourage you sixes out there and all of us enough to think about our own negativity bias and how maybe putting some intention around it, countering that with either statements, you know, we used I am confident, but whatever you're feeling like you need um, or things that you're grateful for, they really can make a difference.
0: Thank you so much, Julie. Nothing more I can add. Um, <clears throat> if anybody listening, if you'd like to learn more about Julie, go over to mindfulmouse, M-A-U-S dot com or <clears throat> where you'll find um, my work with Julie and our friend Katie uh, around bringing the Enneagram to businesses and organizations. So you can jump over there and learn about how we can all work together. So Julie, as always, thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thank you, B.
0: All right. I'll see you and I'll see everybody else. We'll talk to you in Enneagram 7 coming up next. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving a five-star review and share this podcast with others. To learn more about the Defiant Spirit, get more inspirational content or see how we might work together to live your Defiant Spirit, visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, take back your power and live your defiant spirit.